Well, hey there, skips and skipperettes from all across the vast electronic wasteland known only as Internet Land. And welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. Yeah, so it's been two years since I've said those words, and uh, well, lots of stuff has happened uh, to spend some time with you on. So, as a lot of you know, uh, I had to shelve the podcast for a while because I had returned to the fabulous world-famous Jungle Cruise and to the auspicious paycheck of 1M Mouse. And of course, while I was doing that, uh, it was making it a little hard for me to do certain things on the podcast uh, that I always have enjoyed doing with uh, all of you, my listeners. Uh, well, the time is coming to an end that I will be at uh, Disneyland, and I've decided to reopen the podcast a little bit early for a couple of reasons. Uh, probably the first one is is that I wanted to uh, give some time. I know there's some people who had wanted to get into the parks and who want to uh, ride my boats before I leave. Uh, I also want to thank everyone who's come by over the last two years and uh, said the very kind words. Uh, I don't think a week has gone by that I haven't spent some time with one of the members of the podcast family. Uh, You guys have been really fantastic and it really has made my heart just full uh, knowing that the the silly discussions that we've had in the history of the Jungle Cruise has meant so much to so many people. So thank you everyone. I genuinely appreciate all the support and love that I've been shown over the last couple years. But as I said two years ago for my last episode I had done all good things must come to an end. Uh, My wife has a position that she'll be taking uh, with a very prestigious scientific institution that I can't uh, discuss yet. Uh, It's going to be on the East Coast, uh, not too far away from Orlando, although I don't see myself uh, moving over to the Jungle Cruise on that side, you know, maybe to come by and say hi, but I I don't plan on skippering uh, out in Orlando much as I love the jungle there. And I have uh, actually taken a couple trips out there. Uh, The skippers have been nice enough on my vacation times to let me take boats out for uh, for the skips that were there way back in, I want to say 2004, 2005. Uh, so that's happening. We're probably looking uh, a couple months down the road, but because there's so much happening in the world of Disney right now, uh, I wanted to take just a second, kind of give you folks, um, bring you up to speed on what's been happening with me. You know, I've really, really loved the time that I've been able to spend. We've had some great stories. I actually don't plan on recapping all of that on this episode. Uh, this one is really more just uh, in tone to discuss the things that have been happening with the new Galaxy's Edge expansion of the park and just to give my impressions and opinion of what's happening with that. We'll go over some of the uh, the really fantastic friends that I've made, the amazing skippers, things that are happening with the jungle, the Jungle Cruise movie, Tropical Hideaway, uh, and all the other information and details that are that are happening around the Jungle Cruise. Uh, but as I think everyone knows by now, a couple of days ago, Disneyland has opened Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and people are now welcome to join us at the Black Spire Outpost on the planet of Batuu. I was able to take a cast preview a couple of weeks earlier than that. Uh, of course, I couldn't talk about it until things became public, but I just wanted to spend a few seconds um, 
my general impressions as a top line, uh, it is an unbelievably well-crafted piece of work. The Imagineers have done something uh, that I don't think anyone, even three, four, five years ago when this project was announced, uh, that they really could have anticipated. Now, I feel like this project did come in a, almost a direct response to the things that were happening with Universal and the Harry Potter expansions. That immersive storytelling that they had at those parks really brought home the fact that you can have a larger story without having to uh, necessarily have you know a ton of attractions, and it didn't have to be uh, rides, rides, rides that people would be interested in coming just to immerse themselves in a world. And definitely the Star Wars universe was a perfect place for that. And I feel like the Marvel universe is going to be the next obvious expansion that they're going to be doing that with. And I'm very excited about that. From a entrance detail, when you enter into the land, uh, we were queued up in a large group, you know, a couple of thousand people going in. There are three entrances to the land. We only had one open. Uh, so we all queued up. We uh, walked in and uh, very slowly we heard the oohs and ahs of everyone in front of us. Uh, there were a number of uh, people who were in the preview with us that uh, that were very emotional and moved. And we saw a couple of people crying as they came around the corner and saw the Millennium Falcon for the first time. The lead up, the area that we came up through was over by the Hungry Bear restaurant, and we came in on that side of it. We got to walk by the queue area for Rise of the Resistance, the next attraction that'll be opening sometime this fall. The area looks great. It does look like it has a very extended amount of queuing area, and that area that it does walk through does have uh, quite a bit of extensive theming. I'm very excited when that attraction opens. But the first thing we saw when we came in was the bazaar, and as you walk through, there are merchandise stalls. Uh, selling everything from different types of exotic animals. There's the Toy Dairy install with uh, all of the toys that are there. And I don't have all of the names of all of the characters who run them. So I don't know all of the specific uh, details of the shop names and, you know, research. So you get to go through there. There was some fantastic clothing options with Jedi robes and different types of of Sith garments, uh, all kinds of different clothing that was available in the bazaar. Uh, there was a fantastically uh, well-themed popcorn stand. Now, you might say, oh, you know, a popcorn stand at Disneyland, not that big of a deal. They're selling a sweet and spicy kettle corn that is just outrageously good. It's a very uh, different set of flavors. Uh, it definitely has kind of a little sriracha-y kind of bite as a back note, maybe kind of a little berry or grape tone on top of it. So, yeah, really fun to munch on. Uh, I understand from people that they've also been putting out a limited edition gonk droid, those little black droids that uh, are kicking around the Death Star in the original uh, trilogy. I understand that that is a popcorn bucket that you can buy and you can carry around to keep your popcorn in. I don't think it follows you around like a robot, although I wouldn't put it past the the, uh, the designers and Imagineers. Uh, then we walked by the uh, Ronto Roasters, which is a, a very fun place. Uh, it looks like they're cooking all of their meat through a, a giant uh, space engine. Um, the food uh, was really good. It had the Ronto roll, which is a pork sausage with some pulled pork, uh, pickled onions, some different kinds of slaw on a piece of kind of a flatbread. Uh, really delicious. Uh, definitely recommend that. They also have some breakfast options there. I didn't get to have the Mustafarian cinnamon roll that day, but it's a raspberry and lemon cinnamon roll with a very spicy cinnamon. Uh, and the people who I've talked to who've had it uh, have raved about how good it is. And it's one of the best pastry kind of things that you can get at the resort entirely. Uh, so then the, the uh, next thing we did was we walked over and we got in line for Smuggler's Run. Now, I was a little upset. I have to admit that I was disappointed. 
I thought it was Snuggler's Run, and nobody would hug me, and I was very sad about that. Uh, but then I read the sign, uh, seeing it is Smuggler's Run. They do have a single rider line, which I think is going to be very useful. Uh, obviously, the cockpits, I'm sure that if you've heard any details, hold six passengers. Uh, you've got two pilots, two gunners, and two engineers. And I feel like the the single rider is really going to be uh, a much more effective cue the way it's set up than it is at something like the Indiana Jones Adventure. Uh, so the queue in detail, you're going through kind of a, a docking bay. You're going through all the repair and maintenance shops for all of the engine parts. You get to see the backside of Falcon, which uh, as a Jungle Cruise skipper, I was really impressed with the backside of the Millennium Falcon. Um, you know, not quite as good as the backside of water, but it's still pretty impressive. Uh, so the th- the things I like about the walkthrough, it didn't feel... I mean, obviously, we knew it was going to be an immersive experience. We didn't think it was going to feel like a line, but it really didn't feel like a line. Uh, We did wait. I think the first time we waited about 45 minutes. We were able to ride it additional times for about a 10-minute wait later on during our preview window. But it is set up almost in a very similar way to the Space Mountain queue, where it kind of folds back on itself a couple of times. But, you know, really lovely, definitely put together in uh, a way that really brings you into the fact that you are going into this Onaka transport, the the name of the smuggling opera. I mean, you know, the gentleman's business operation who procures uh, things for other people. Uh, you go in and you have a fantastic pre-show. I don't want to spoil anything in too deep, too deep of detail. Uh, the animatronics there are great. The uh, screen behind the animatronics, if you don't get a chance to really peek at it, uh, it's one of the most beautiful high-res video screens that I've ever seen. Uh, the detail is just shocking for how good the video is. Uh, and then you're whisked off into the uh, into the Millennium Falcon, where you get to have a very short waiting experience. They break you up randomly by uh, giving you in your group the uh, little uh, cards that tell you which spot you're going to be sitting in. There was some trading of cards. Uh, I have to admit that we we felt a little bit bad. We I thought I had spaced us correctly to be pilots, and we were in the back of a group of six. They handed us our cards, uh, and then when we were going in the Falcon, the attendant there was uh, asking us who was going to be the pilots, and the uh, two gentlemen who we thought had the pilot cards held them up, and she said, oh, no, no, you're engineers, and she grabbed me and my wife and said, no, you guys are the pilots because they had given us the pilot cards out of order. I, I felt guilty about that for about three seconds. It was not a very long time that I felt guilty. Um, things I didn't know, I didn't know as, uh, as we were going in that you have one pilot who's controlling the up and down and one pol- pilot controlling the left and right. Uh, I was doing the up and down, which also had the hyperspace levers to jump into hyperspace, which to be honest was the coolest part of it when you get to pull the lever. My wife was on the right and left. I will say that we did uh, all nearly crash the Falcon. We were down in single-digit integrity to our uh, our hull and shields. She thought running into everything would be funny. If you know my wife, if you've met her, or if I've talked about her, yeah, that that's totally her. Uh, I also think we didn't have very good engineers uh, keeping our ship repaired as we were going through. Amazing experience. Um, you know, I, I guess I was expecting something more on the side of like a star tours kind of attraction. I didn't realize that the actions you were going to take, were going to have that much influence on the, uh, on the attraction. Uh, yeah, what's well, I don't want to get into too many details about the smugglers run. Did it as an engineer. That was actually, uh, every bit as enjoyable to me as it pilot roles were. I actually like that. There's a lot of control and a lot of, uh, choices that you get to make as an engineer, as you're going through that, uh, that actually have some impact on the story. 
the only criticism I have is that the controls are off to the side. So sometimes as you're engineering or gunning, you're not really looking out the front window and seeing all of the action and all of the effects. So that can be a little bit disappointing. Um, but definitely uh, during our time, and I think during all these previews, uh, the ride uh, weights that I've been seeing are going to allow people to do it multiple times. I did see a lot of trading in groups of people who had already been in one position who wanted to do something else. Uh, so after we did the smugglers run, we came back out and we uh, went to the docking bay and we had a little bit of lunch. The The feel of the main food area is kind of... Um, I don't know, it reminded me a little bit of Firefly, uh, but you're eating on instead of tables. There's parts of aircraft, uh, spaceship wings. The queuing area where you actually order the food is very similar to all the other uh, window service that they have. You know, Hungry Bear, I'm trying to think of the other places. Uh, over in California Adventure, the Mexican restaurant at that side. Very similar. You pay a cashier, you wait at a window that you get your food. Uh, it was very cool the way that they had it set up that you could not see anything in the kitchen. So as far as you could see, everything was being manufactured by droids, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, the food was exceptionally good. We had the sticky ribs. We were so tempted by other things, but both Christy and I both had an order of the ribs for ourselves because honestly, that was what we were in the mood for. Uh, they come with a red cabbage slaw and the best part of the food, the best thing I had when I was back there was underneath the ribs, there is a blueberry corn muffin. Kind of reminded me of the, the food that Ray eats at the start of uh, Force Awakens. It adds the water and it kind of bubbles up. Uh, but it was amazing. I can't really figure out how they did it with the muffin. I've actually been trying to recreate it at home the last couple nights. Made three or four batches to try to replicate that. It was really great. A crispy edge and a really soft middle. I definitely recommend that. Really loved, uh, another nice little surprise was the silverware there. They have eliminated all terrestrial silverware, and they have kind of an offset weird spork thing uh, that does the knife, fork, and spoon setup. I, I think that is going to be an inadvertent souvenir for many guests that are going through there. I, I see them as being uh, something very unusual and fantastic, made of metal. Everything seemed very recyclable and very reusable. There was very little uh, waste back there. It felt like it was a very... Um, respectful uh, ecological operation. Of course, it would be on a different planet. Uh, the other drink that I had was called Moof Juice, which was a fruit punch, orange, and a chipotle pineapple juice. Really went perfectly with the ribs, and it wasn't too spicy, but all the drinks looked really fantastic. After the food, uh, you know, we uh, had to refresh ourselves. We went into the refreshers, uh, the restrooms in the area, and, you know, it's funny. People are asking me, what's the one thing I have to see when I'm there? And I tell people, go into the restrooms. They are absolute works of art. I've talked to people who didn't get to see them on their trips uh, to Batu, and it is an amazingly creative job of theming for that. Now, you might be asking, hey, what about the lightsabers? What about the droids? Well, um, I'm going to admit, I actually didn't do them. I went in and took a look around. Uh, it wasn't uh, with the, the big move coming up. I didn't have it in the budget to do. Uh, the droid building operation looked great. Almost every table was full of kids who were manufacturing their own BB and astromech droids. The customization options seemed really fantastic for it. Uh, it would have been a lot of fun to do. I would totally have been into it. In the area right next to the droid assembly, there's also a store that has a lot of kitchen gear. One of the coolest items I saw was a salad bowl that was R2-D2's uh, chrome head but flipped over. So it lets you use the inside of R2 to, to uh, toss your salad. So 
yeah, it doesn't seem disrespectful at all. Uh, also, they have a full-size prop quality R2-D2 that's there that is uh, $25,000. No cast discount, I asked. The lightsaber build, very, very cool. If you take the Harry Potter wand experience and make it so everyone gets that experience at the same time and, uh, you know, it... it uh, Everyone I've talked to who are the deepest of my Star Wars fans all were very emotionally moved with the the theming and the way that that came together. Now, the stores all have a ton of Easter eggs and things that are up above them, off to the sides. So one of the things that I, I will just tell people is take your time. I know that during the reservation window, if you're going during that, you'll have a very limited uh, amount of time. Uh, there's definitely Easter eggs and things all around the stores that are totally worth looking at. There's some Indiana Jones ones. Uh, there's solo Easter eggs. There's um, original trilogy Easter eggs. There's just little things everywhere that are totally worth doing. Yeah, but uh, but what about the cantina? I'm sure many of you are probably asking. Well, I went on the third day of the preview, and... Um, People had said to me, just go straight to the cantina. The lines are going to get too long to go if you do otherwise. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't the only person in my party, didn't have the strings to pull. Uh, so we ended up trying to go later in the thing, and we were up to a 60 to 90 minute line to get in. So unfortunately, the cantina will be something I get to do on my next trip. Uh, it is probably the the major complaint that I heard from people uh, was that, you know, it, it just seats so few people. I can understand the logic of why they did it, but I think that it's something that's going to leave people wanting if they didn't actually have the chance to go in there. Uh, the only other thing I heard that was, that was uh, feedback from people that they didn't care for is the fact that I love that you have to explore this place. The, a lot of the stores, a lot of the doors, a lot of the things that are there are not labeled. There is adventure around every corner, as this should be in the Black Spire Outpost. So you're not going to find anything easily. It's going to take you a little bit of uh, time and wandering around. Um, the other thing that I loved was that the people who live at the Black Spire Outpost, they love commenting on your outfits. Uh, so my wife was wearing a Death Star t-shirt. We had a gentleman who came up who informed us that we might be a little bit more comfortable uh, hanging out over by the First Order uh, area and uh, maybe not staying so close to the Millennium Falcon. You know, I loved that they had that interaction. We actually have put up on the Skipper store uh, a set of shirts, uh, T-shirts that have little phrases on them that are designed to get the the people in the area to interact with you. But definitely know that if you're going with any type of Star Wars apparel or even just interesting clothing, that you're likely going to get that interaction and role-playing, which is one of the things that I love the most about it. So uh, crowd-wise, you know, it's hard for me to gauge. We've had a couple of days this weekend of operation. Um, I haven't been back there while there's been people there. I don't know how many people they're letting in on the reservations. I don't know how it's going to really run, um, you know, with a larger group of people after the reservation system. But I haven't heard any complaints uh, regarding crowding or feeling like things were inaccessible. Uh, you know, the wait times all seemed reasonable when I checked in on the Disneyland app over the weekend. From what I understand and talking to people, the way that they're going to handle and this absolutely is not coming in any official capacity. Uh, if I haven't reinforced it enough, you know, I'm doing... Uh, the podcast back, uh, not in any way, shape, or form representing Disney, even though I am, I'm currently still there. 
from what I've been told is that they're going to let a certain number of people in in the morning through the three entrances, and they're going to do a uh, a one out one in concept where basically as people leave, they will start to let other people in. Uh, so I think that's good. I think it'll keep the the numbers of people at the appropriate amounts all during the day, and it'll keep uh, keep it from feeling too crowded for everyone. So. Um, would I go again? Absolutely. I'm uh, looking forward to maybe having one more experience there before we leave. Definitely going to be visiting Orlando, particularly once the Rise of the Resistance ride is open. You know, other than that, guys, it's it's been a five-year process seeing this get built. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway was during our pre-previews, a lot of my hesitations went away. And here's the reason why. In In some ways, Galaxy's Edge is the most Disney expansion that they've done probably in the last 20, 30 years. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's not the theming. It's not uh, the ride, which is amazing, or the food, or the bathrooms, or the, the merchandise. It is fundamentally about the story. And if you look at the history of of why the attractions that have become as popular have been there, one of the things we were taught at our first day in traditions, and I, when I was working the traditions uh, course, one of the things that I told people was, every attraction has a story at Disneyland. Every store, every restaurant, there's a story in a binder. It actually details it for the people who work there. But everything has a created um, mythology around it for the cast members to use and draw upon and to pull in the guests into their uh, adventures and their stories. The thing that Galaxy's Edge does uh, better than anything else, I think Harry Potter uh, Universal was the first to really do this, but when you're in there, you really feel like you're part of the story. It was beautifully done. The one thing we didn't have access to was the Disney Play app. Uh, so I can't give you a detailed breakdown, but every uh, uh, all of the concepts and the reports and things we had beforehand, basically the activities that are there are sort of along the lines of the Harry Potter with the wands, but you've got dozens of QR codes, RFID codes, you've got puzzles to solve, you've got all kinds of different information that you can access through your data pad slash your phone. Uh, that will give you an uh, ability to explore and really become part of the landscape of the Black Spire Outpost. There have been uh, a number of skippers uh, who have been involved in this project, who left the attraction area and who went over there. I, I couldn't be prouder. I know um, in particular you've, you've got Skipper Arvin who was part of creating the role playing and the story and the improvisation and teaching people how to really get in the shoes of their characters. Every time that a character talked to me, they talked to me with Arvin's voice. And I was just thrilled to see that some of the legacy of the Jungle Cruise skippers carried over into Galaxy's Edge. So, yep, uh, it's here. It's amazing. I'm sure there's going to be some growing pains. I'm sure there's going to be some challenges. Uh, I really feel like they hit a home run on this one. And there was a lot of questions uh, about overcrowding or were, were they going to be able to create something different. As I left... Uh, Batu in the back Black Spire outpost at the end of my time. The thing that was tough for me was it was like going from a 4K TV to a 1960s black and white tube. The area looks so good that it almost makes the rest of Disneyland pale a little bit by comparison. You all know how much I love Disneyland, but uh, it is a loving comment to say that they've done so much with this that it really 
has become the pinnacle of what the the Disney experience is all about. And you're not going to find look there's no giant labels that say Disney or Star Wars back there. They've really camouflaged it so when you're there you feel like you're on a different planet. And there's almost no kind of visual tags or cues that take you out of the experience. The only one that I kind of found was uh, I think that they need to do something different with the cast member sunglasses. But, you know, little nitpicks here and there. I'm sure they're going to smooth things out as it goes. So, yeah, we had a fantastic time. Uh, If you guys have any questions that you want to throw us, uh, please feel free to visit us over at the Facebook group, facebook.com slash Jungle Cruise, C-R-E-W-S. And as always, I'm happy to take emails, junglecruise at gmail.com. So what's next? Well, in a couple of months, I'll be leaving the company again. And if you have a chance to swing by and ride my boat, generally I'm there from uh, 8 to 4.30 uh, every day except for Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, That does change around a little bit, and I will be spending some time uh, out of town getting things set up for our big move to Florida. But the podcast is going to be officially returning. We've already started recording episodes. I don't have an official date for when I'm going to do a full rollout, but I want to have at least three or four episodes in the can. We have an amazing thing set up. We're going to be doing some Skype interviews all the way to Africa with a skipper who's down there right now. Uh, We have some other skippers from the 1960s that are lined up, and we're really thrilled with the things that we have that are, are going to be coming with the podcast. Uh, I'm also looking at doing some uh, vlogging and some video uh, podcast kind of concepts. I've been testing some things out there, and I'm hoping that's going to come together as well. Uh, If you have been following us at all on Instagram, uh, Jungle Cruise, C-R-E-W-S podcast, we'd love to have you join us there. Uh, We're putting up a lot of our same content from the Facebook group. Uh, things, uh, historical photos, news information, uh, all that information is uh, duplicated both on our Instagram and over at our Facebook group. So we'd love to see you there. We also have the Skipper Store, which has had a gigantic expansion in the last two years. So uh, we had this concept to take uh, a whole bunch of Skipper's art and design. I will say a lot of it is mine. Um, And we decided to put them up on some of the print-on-demand sites. Now, we've moved away from the first group that we worked with to a couple of different sites that have a much better quality. So we're over at Redbubble and we're over at TeePublic and TeePublic is really uh, our main area. Uh, but if you're looking for deals, sometimes Redbubble has a sale that TeePublic doesn't have. They have some slightly different merchandise. Uh, they have duvet covers. We have some really cool uh, larger things that have been designed there. So uh, make sure you take a look at it. We're getting close to 100 different designs there. Uh, We have, I think, six different designers who've contributed. If you are a skipper artist or you're doing any kind of Jungle Cruise art, we'd love to have you there. We give you 100% of the profits. It's uh, just there. We want to make sure we're promoting the work of skippers and friends of the jungle. Uh, if you're already on Tee Public, let us know if you have some jungle or tiki things there, and we'll be happy to cross-promote it for you. But definitely check us out. We love some of the shirts we've done. We'd always love to get ideas and concepts and feedback from you about the things that we can do. Uh, As a lot of you know, a couple of years ago, I worked with Skipper Richard Wallace, and we were able to do a Kickstarter called King of the Skippers. Uh, We also have a fun little game called Jungle Rummy in the time that the podcast has been uh, off the internet, off the air. What are we going to call that? You know, we've sold, I think, a total of 500 copies of those two games, so I'm really happy that those have kind of found a niche. Those are available over at the Game Crafter as a print-on-demand item as well. Uh, I am working on our first actual board game. Uh, it's going to be another Kickstarter 
maybe by the end of the year, we're still working on getting uh, all the elements designed, uh, getting some custom plastic boats uh, as moving items. Uh, but it's actually going to be set in the bigger world of adventure, uh, not just a jungle concept, but an around the world race to adventure as, uh, as you're searching for um, magical objects and you're uh, plumbing the depths of, of uh, human endurance and uh, doing all crazy, kinds of crazy adventuring and exploring to try to out-adventure and out-explore your compatriots. Uh, so super excited about that. Uh, that is in the works and we're working on the artwork and things for it right now. Well, that about wraps it up. That's a good half hour to kind of give you a, uh, a little bit of my feelings about Batu and giving you a little bit of an update for where the podcast is at right now, where we've been. I guess one of the things I should say is uh, we're very lucky. Uh, even in the two years we've been gone, we've been able to have incredibly good numbers with the reruns. We've had tons of downloads. We're seeing new new subscribers. And we did pass the three and a half million download point, which is just gigantic. Uh, I know that we got in very early in the podcast and it's become a very uh, crowded space. There's a lot of great things I'm listening to. The Conan O'Brien podcast is one of my favorites. I love the guys at Pod Save America and uh, what they're doing there. But we got in pretty early and we were able to develop a little bit of a fan base. And I'd really like to thank those of you who've stuck with us. Uh, I think we're getting somewhere... uh, it's definitely over a couple thousand unique downloads per month. So we really appreciate those of you who've stuck with us. Uh, make sure you pass us along to your friends. Oh, you know what? I almost forgot. There's this little thing happening next year. The Jungle Cruise movie. Lots and lots of exciting things about that. Uh, that'll be coming up more in, in future podcasts. Um, all the things that I've seen, all of the uh, information that's been been passed to me and things of that, all make this look really fantastic. And I guess the best analogy I can give is if you take a look at the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, it was a big summer blockbuster tentpole action movie that had a little humor from Johnny Depp and sometimes very little humor. The Jungle Cruise looks to be the same. Uh, It's going to be a big summer action tentpole movie, very reminiscent of Raiders of the Lost Ark is is probably the best uh, analogy that I can make of it with uh, Dwayne providing humor and uh, Emily Blunt, you know, being fantastic. And I, I really, uh, the, from the promotional things that I've seen, it looks like she's going to be more of the center of the movie as much as, uh, as much as Dwayne Johnson is going to be. So that's coming out July 24th of next year. We're super excited about that. I am a little sad that I'm not going to be with the resorts when that comes out. I'd like to see what they're doing with the jungle. And I'd love to be in the jungle while that's happening. Uh, But unfortunately, things uh, move the way that they move and the winds blow us where they blow us. And uh, it's time for me. To move on from the company, uh, I first started in 2001 at Disney's California Adventure. I've had a lot of uh, ons and offs. This was my fourth time around with the company. All in all, uh, I learned my first attraction 18 years ago at California Adventure. I learned the Jungle Cruise 16 years ago, and uh, it has been an absolute joy coming back and getting to make such amazing friends with a diverse, fantastic, funny, and, and loving group of skippers that are there right now. Every generation is the best generation. Every generation has its summer. Uh, I've been lucky this time that I was able to come back and have another summer. If you guys have heard the podcast before, it's a a way I've always described that every skipper really gets their summer. And it's hard to come back from that because things always will feel different. But I was able to come back. I'm super excited about it. Also, if you guys know Skipper Kip, well, Kippy's back as well. So 
so yeah, so it's been an amazing experience. I'd like to thank everyone who's been so supportive and all the communication that we have received. Please definitely check us out on the social media. That'll be the easiest way to find the podcast. If you already have a favorite podcast app, I've obviously listened to it on that. We like the Stitcher platform, but the Podbean platform, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts are all ways to find our podcast out there. Well, thanks, everyone. You guys have been fantastic, and uh, I'm really looking forward to having some more adventures with you out there in the rivers of adventure. Kungaloosh, my friends.